Welcome to What's Left, a weekly political discussion challenging the mainstream left. We are online at what-s-left.webnode.com. You can find the link to our blog in the episode notes. Please subscribe, rate, review, turn on your notifications, share your favorite episode, and jot down our information um, wherever you find this. Uh, my name is Andy Lipson. I'm a teacher from Oakland and a socialist. Um, and today we are again joined by socialist community organizer Kenny Zapeta and no longer special guest, but now I guess, uh, you know, ongoing what's left contributor, uh, Jessica, who teaches at English, who teaches English literature, writing and environmental humanities at the university level in the Pacific Northwest. So welcome both of you. And um, today we're going to talk about probably the first good news there's been to talk about in some time. Um, and that is this trucker convoy that is going on in, in Ottawa or in Canada that I believe started in Vancouver and has been traveling across Canada and has reached Ottawa, I think just this last weekend. Um, and from my understanding, it's like, what, 60 miles of trucks, you know, it's a 60 mile long convoy or maybe it was 60 kilometer up to 40 mile long convoy, uh, longest convoy in history. Um, I've seen some crazy footage of it, of just going on and on and on and people being over bridges and like, it's super cold in Canada and people are like, you know, cheering them on. Um, and now I guess they're in Ottawa and they're just kind of camped out there with a bunch of trucks um, as well as other locations. Um, and I just think it's amazing news because it seems to have, like really changed uh, the minds of people in Canada. I'll, I'll just give one detail that I have and then I'd like to hear from other folks. Um, there was a poll taken uh, on January 27th and 28th found that 54% of the people in Canada want the restrictions. Again, this is what this stuff was about, was on the anti-mandates, anti-vaccine mandates, anti-vaccine passports, and the overall just atmosphere of, of restrictiveness and lockdowns that are in Canada. And that's largely what has animated these, uh, these, this, this convoy. Uh, and supposedly 54% now want restrictions to be lifted compared to uh, 39% who want the restrictions lifted when the same question was asked two weeks earlier. So minds are being changed in Canada, like right now. Um, and even though it's been kind of not treated, dealt with in the mainstream media, it's been big news for any one of us pay, paying attention to this stuff and looking for signs of hope and big news for people looking for, for finally the fight back taking place in North America. Um, maybe like, so I, I, I've talked about my ties to Canada. Like I have some family there, friends that came to my wedding, you know, when I was married uh, and, you know, so I, I knew a little bit my cousin who passed away we would <clears> talk <throat> about this stuff and, and he would express that, you know, how different, slightly different Canada, we're more, more restrictive in some ways than we were here, even in San Francisco. Like I remember that they didn't reopen fully until like last September, you know, when like the rest of the US like was by and large open. So they, they had restrictions that, you know, were like, I guess lagging behind even the US, you know, so uh, restrictions of movement and, and also, I know that in Montreal, at least, they have a QR code system that is like widely used. Mm -hmm. And I actually witnessed this when I went to bury my cousin. Uh, we actually had more difficulty entering the food courts uh, than entering the country, 
even though to enter the country, you, knew, you do not need a QR code that actually was mentioned by the speaker of this convoy, you know. Um, uh, and so I I've personally have seen this system, you know, to enter Canada and, and the border situation. Uh, and I also went to Mexico during COVID and that was not the case. So there's definitely a different level of, you know, um, this advancement of these technologies that we've been criticizing and that come up in, in, in the conversations about, you know, around this convoy. Uh, so I just wanted to mention, you know, that, that at least in my experience, you know, is the case, it's true, there, there's a different system, at least in Montreal when I went and visited recently. And uh, just to enter Canada, you know, you have to have this application and register your vaccination and you know, um, and then the QR code is provided, and you need that to enter. Yeah, I feel like Canada, along with Australia and a few other places, I mean, they've really been subjected to some of the most draconian, just crazy um, policies these past two years. And I mean, who would have thought it would be it would be Canadians? You know, because the stereotype right is like oh they're so nice they're so compliant right and that kind of has they have been you know largely compliant it seems like thus far but you push people too far like you push people too far and I'm just yeah I'm really really just proud of everybody up there and um excited and yeah, it's like, I, I don't know I, I don't know if you guys feel the same way just kind of like a s swelling of like yeah, it's a good, it's a good feeling. Um, so I'm sure we're going to talk about, you know, any skeptical that. things and yeah, sorry, go ahead, Kenny. Just, I just didn't expect Canada <laughs> to be honest out of all places. Yeah. You know, so like, I'm curious as to, you know, obviously what you're mentioning, you know, it's push people too far. Uh, but even this place that is considered a better place in the U S in some ways, you know, like, we all talk about their healthcare and all, you know, this stuff. And like, they are very strict in so many ways. Like, you know, like even like labor, you know, just like listen, my, when I talk to the people that I know, they tell me there is no undocumented workers in Canada because to be able to work there is so hard. Cause you know, like even my cousins who work in construction, you have to have so many permits and they check all the time. You know, and so they are they are used to these actually policies of, you know, that are kind of draconian and, and, and like they, they are used to enforcing the law. I know that, for example, in Montreal, you know, I've seen like uh, soccer van trucks, you know, the stereotype of the soccer mom, you know, they are police. I've seen pickups like the look disheveled, that they are police. They will throw their lights on you. So they are kind of used to this stuff. So I think that is why it's even more interesting that, that this is happening right now. Well, I think that's a pretty good segue to at least show this uh, one clip in light of what Kenny's saying, because it, what for me is so, well, one of the things that's so amazing about this, um, let's see, where is this right here? Nope, not that guy, this thing, um, is the, the fact that like things are changing so rapidly and, and, you know, Kenny and I, you know, Marxists, we talk about the working class, but we don't get to see much of them doing much. And here 
you see when a one sector of the working class, and it's not even the entire sector of it, you know, it's, these are not all Canadian truckers, like meaning it's not every trucker in Canada being part of this. It's, it is a sector of, a, of, of the working class from, a, from a, the part of transportation, you know, from that sector of transportation. And, but you can see when just a section of them becomes organized and starts to make demands that it actually creates a tremble throughout the system. Um, much more so than just like hundreds of thousands of people demonstrating on not just on a Saturday, but even on a Wednesday, like a sector of the working class that's organized and that's doing something in relationship to a demand on the state or on corporations. It, it, it makes the whole it makes everything tremble and makes everything seem suddenly new, potentially. And that's what to me is like so exciting is in many ways, particularly as I see workers becoming more and more atomized, and I actually feel like that's part of the plan, to see a section of the working class reorganize itself and make a push like this, it, it's, a, it's an affirmation for me of the possibility of what Marxist politics speak to about changing the world. Um, and, so, and it is a strike, right? I mean, yeah. it's only a convoy, but it's also a strike. Yeah, and, and, it, and it's a, it's a self, it's self-directed work action that the Canadian Trucker Alliance actually says, we don't want anything to do with it. Like they're against what they're doing. Um, <clears throat> and so like these folks have just taken it into their own hands. I'm going to show this video. Um, Cause again, let me see. It's just, it's, I think it's amazing what's taking place. All right. This is some pretty big news, everyone. So that U S Canada border blockade in between Alberta and Montana. So, trucks are lined up as far as the eye can see blocking the border uh, and they've all parked there and told everyone they're going to camp out just like uh, they're doing it as part of this uh, overall freedom convoy protest uh, the police have set up barricades on the highways uh, to block people from getting through they apparently have been trying to get tow trucks to come in and help remove uh, the vehicles well guess what Looks like the tow trucks showed up, uh, but they're not going to help. They refuse to help the authorities, and they're joining in. Oh, oh, and it gets even better. It gets even better. The farmers are joining the protest as well. And so they weren't going to take any of this crap, and they broke right through the police barricade to join the truckers in solidarity. Check this out. This is phenomenal. The police are powerless to do anything about it. There they go! Woo! Go, truckers, go! And the coop!
Here we go. Might as well. More than Crowds filled up Parliament Hill once again. A bunch of truck drivers decided to set up a hockey game on the streets downtown. What could be more Canadian than that? They're digging their heels in. Oh, and speaking of tow trucks not helping out. Okay, I just, I just sitting in my truck here warming up. I just got a bunch of nice fruit dropped off to me. I was just talking to this gentleman and this nice lady came by and had something to share with everybody. You want me to say it? Yeah, yeah. What, what just happened here? Okay, I was just talking to a local that lives right here in Ottawa. He's been here for 30 years. He knows what's happening. And he told me that the mayor of Ottawa is, he called the tow truck companies to start towing these semis off from the streets. And every company said they have COVID. Imagine that. Yeah. Don't worry, Justin. We'll be gone by yesterday. <laughs> Oh, I don't know why, but this all just puts me in a really good mood today. So for me, that is like just those sorts of stories of, you know, truckers breaking or uh, farmers breaking over police barricades and tow truckers, not only not refusing to, to move trucks, but actually joining the protest. You can see those people who are filming it. They just joined when they saw the farmers joining in. Um, it That to me is what change is about it shows the possibility of change from below um and it doesn't seem like something that can just be controlled and just one other thing and this i probably won't show the whole story but or the whole interview but the the guy the some of the lead organizers and i think it might be the same person you saw who was interviewed who was interviewed on tucker carlson um but he, he did a press conference with another woman, another guy who was part of the core of people who are partial leaders of this. And they were basically saying, look, we're against what just Justin Trudeau is doing in terms of, you know, the, the tyranny that, that the liberal government is pushing forward. But he goes, if you look in the, who are the, the mayors of many of the other provinces where this is happening, they're part of the conservative party. So they've already said, we're not for the liberals and we're not for the conservatives. And both, and they've had conservatives come and say they want to like speak, and th even people who say they support them, and they're refusing to let them speak because they're basically saying we're not letting a politician, you know, take this over, um, and have been critical of both sides, um, and uh, trying to say that you know we're trying to unite Canada um, and unite can Canadian workers, uh, although maybe they wouldn't put it in terms of workers, but uh, I would. Um, so those are some pretty good signs to me of the the potential for fighting this thing from the vantage point of organized working class. Yeah, I think that point about rejecting support from any politician, because I saw them say that like very clearly in um, uh, a press conference they did the other day. And uh, I mean, that is that is key. Like it's really not a partisan movement. And also, I mean, like we saw in the in the video, it's not just truckers. I mean, you have farmers, you have all sorts of people coming out to support this. And then even people who are not actually part of the convoy, you know, just seeing the footage of all of these gatherings over, you know, on the overpasses, cheering them on as they were on their way there um, in like 20 below uh, freezing temperatures. And I mean, if nothing else, that tells you people are talking, people are gathering face to face. Right. And that's 
that's an incredible sign. And I think too, just wherever this goes, um, cause I'm, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about some of the potential, um, you know, problems that, that we can encounter and the media smearing and all of that. But I think even just the psychological effect of this is huge. I'm like that, that poll is a good example that you cited Andy. Um, I mean, I always take polls with mm-hmm. several grains of salt, but I, you know, you see like it's already spreading and you're getting trucker convoys all over the world. They're talking about doing it here to DC. It's happening in Australia. And so I think just the, the psychological like buildup of energy and hope is huge because so many people have just been so goddamn depressed the past two years, just stuck feeling hopeless. Um, so it's, yeah, it's, it does. It feels like a real shift and a real opportunity. Just want to like, reiterate the points that you both make about, you know, staying independent, right. From um, political parties. Uh, we, <clears throat> We have plenty of experience in the U.S. with, you know, especially the left or, you know, uh, falling behind the lesser of the two evils, right? And and, and seeing how uh, the scalps of these movements are displayed in the in the in the in the they are displayed at the halls of the fucking Democratic Party, you know, and, and like they have plenty of, of blood in their hand. Uh, of movements that have died, you know, being co-opted by by parties, you know, and and it happens on both sides, not just liberals, right? Conservatives, you know, uh, you know, and like I think there there is some massive misreading, right, of what Trump represented, and in some ways he was something, you know, a big fuck you to like the establishment of the Republican Party, um, even though he ultimately still played the role, right, to, uh, to benefit, uh, you know, the system and the ruling class. He was still useful to set us up for this anti-science, quote unquote, anti-vax. If you don't, if you question science, you know, you're, you know, but, but I guess the point is that that's super important on any movement to stay independent from, you know, any of the political channels because they, they will co-opt it and ultimately destroy it and use it against you. Um, and, and so that's very remarkable that they're, you know, exposing that. And, and the other thing is that, let's not forget this isn't, um, you know, like, just about the, it's, it's about everything. And like, that's why it was impressive. It's about this digital bullshit that they're being exposed to, right? The, the, the spokesperson, uh, uh, you know, I, I don't know if you have the clip, Lipson, but uh, he talked about how in, uh, in, in the T- Tucker Carlson show, you know, that is also very, very peculiar mm-hmm. to me because from my vantage point, it seems like the, the, the actually conservative channels, Fox News, they've hijacked a lot of, language and subject matter that should be a leftist issue. You know, they've definitely hijacked it and they still manipulate it and they still, you know, uh, to their, to create this polarizing force. But, you know, they, uh, again, they give voice to these people. So automatically it's discounted in the US, right? Oh, if Fox News is covering this, then, you know, it's some right-wing fucking bullshit. And, um, and even though like, I absolutely agree with, you know, what they're talking about right like the spokesperson talked about the the you know the restrictions and this qr codes and the all this technology because he mentioned in in the in that interview that people can go look at themselves where uh he was approaching the border and he had his qr code that when i mentioned that i had to 
provide to my uh, border officer in Canada. And the officer told him, oh, don't worry about it. You know, the system already pinged you, you know, like pinged you and you, we already know that, you know, you're coming basically. So they have all these technologies that are, uh, you know, coming live that we've been warning about that, you know, people are called crazy for talking about these dystopian futures. We talked about vaccine mandates. We talked about vaccine passports. And then, you know, we, at least from my vantage point, too, this is more about immigration than a public health crisis, quote unquote. You know, this is about freedom of movement. This is about, you know, controlling where people are at all times. And, you know, not, the truckers obviously have a big incentive to fight this, right? Because it's making their lives more difficult, you know, as, as workers that cross these borders, you know, relatively freely, right? Because the US and Canada, you know, it's easier to pass this border than the Mexico and, and, and US border. You know, Canada is essentially in my mind, like another state of the US, you know? And um, so, you know, we have sports teams and whatever, but the point is that it's more than just like one thing, you know, and it's growing and it's defiance and, and, and it takes, you know, resisting and fighting against all these, this smearing, right? Like the, this is an unlawful assembly, you know? That's what I've been hearing a lot on the news. And you know this mirroring is beginning, and if you don't have a understanding of, you know what's happening beyond like the headlines, then you're gonna fall with that narrative, you know, like, and you're gonna think that there's like just some right wingers, some crazy people. That's one of my coworkers told me that, like, who reads the BBC, and that's where he gets his BBC, you know, like more according to him, uh, objective news. Uh, that oh weird people are in that convoy, you know. I see we're we're not supposed to talk to weird people, right? Like people that think different than us. And so he already dismissed the narrative, and, and he was saying, and then people are talking about this right wing thing. No, I have friends who are not fucking white, who are not right wingers. They're just tired of the shit. People that live in Canada, you know, and and they're just tired of it, you know. Yeah, the like the whole white supremacist you know, racist right winger smear, like it's just so outrageous. Like watch any footage of it. You've got first nations, tribal members, you've got huge representation from Sikh truckers and the Sikh community, right? Like out there, you know, providing food for everybody. Um, I mean, just people of all races, all political backgrounds. Um, and a lot of women too. I was actually, um, I'm in a, a women's circle and actually quite a few of the women in it are Canadians. And actually a few of them were, have gone out the past um, couple of days. Um, and we were kind of talking about the, like the sort of machismo um, working class culture that I think can be, you know, kind of, um, kind of pervasive at times um, among groups like truckers and just kind of, um, I don't know. A lot of us were just feeling like, yeah, I mean, on the one hand, um, there's problems with that, right? Like, I do think there's, there's an issue with that among the working class just broadly. But I mean, how awesome to finally have like some fucking men like standing up and being angry. And, um, cause I do, I mean, obviously there's some, uh, 
excellent exceptions, two of them here, right? But a lot of the people who've been leading this fight these past two years are women. Um, so I think it's really cool to see. Um, yeah, just I don't know. There's and there's such a such an amazing, you know, uh just culture of solidarity, I think, among truckers from my limited experience. I mean, I remember just even a few years ago, you know, uh, my, myself and my colleagues, like we were, we were on strike. We did a, a short, um, strike for, you know, wages and healthcare and stuff and, uh, among academic employees. And I remember like being out there, like whatever, 6am on the picket line. And the first people to honor that picket line were the delivery truck drivers. Like they showed up, saw the picket line um, and it wasn't even an impressive, like, you know, bit whatever. It's just a bunch of graduate employees and they got right on the phone. Everybody turned around. They were calling each other. So they're, I mean, they are organized. They understand working class solidarity. So, I mean, it's, it's the perfect people to be leading this. And yeah. there's really no like centralized leadership. It seems like too, which I think is another really, powerful component of it like there's not really anybody to like hold up and smear and whatever like I mean there's there's organizers for sure but I mean it's it seems like a real authentic grassroots movement yeah and even the person who both Kenny and I have seen I don't know what his name is um who I saw the press conference notes like yeah we're leading a section of some sort part but there but basically there's so many different sectors coming together of the of the truck driver movement that um it isn't you can't just say well that's the person or that's the group that kind of is running this thing um and <clears throat> i think currently that 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 actually is a a strength or at the very least all you can say is it, it shows that it's coming from the grassroots and that that is going to make it that in addition to what you said Jessica about not um, not trying to align themselves with or or find political uh, political politicians who they can put get up next to to try to move their agenda staying independent of that I think is 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 going to be a big thing for their future and for the potential of this movement growing in a way that really uh, draws more sectors more workers into it across the world um, and it has really, um, like I've, I have not figured, like I got to the point, I, you know, like, I don't know how we're going to stop this, you know, like, uh, is the working class just too atomized, you know, and really just in a, in a two, in a week, I, it's really completely changed my mind as to the possibility if we as workers could do something that we could actually really do, we could stop this. Like, um, and, and that, it, it, and that's just to see the working class is actually capable of completely taking the ball out of the capitalist hands like it's it and this is only a, a small section of it at taking action i imagine like i just again teachers have their heads so fixed that we can't i can't really imagine it right now but if if you could see teachers do a similar thing with an awareness of no we're not going to let you vaccinate children no we're not going to let let you force everyone to be wearing masks no we're not going to let you bring in ed tech and just turn the world into a metaverse for our students. And for us, you could teachers could completely change the game in terms of what's happening right now. If we were so inclined, I mean, unfortunately 
like we've noted before, the, it's that so-called educated section of the workforce that has been the, the most uh, backwards and the most had, had its head up its ass the most. Um, and it's this group, truckers, who are often considered, you know, the, the butt of jokes, at least in the United States, of like the ignorant, that's the ignorant section of the working class. Well, those are the ones who seem to have the best understanding of solidarity, the best understanding of the actual political dangers that, are, that workers and other workers across the globe are facing. Um, whereas teachers are completely walk, not only walking into a trap, they're helping, they're playing a Pied Piper role of helping other children build this trap of a prison for ourselves, for ourselves instead of fighting it. Um, so it, it, it just reminds me of the pot really of the, of the, for me, the, the truth of Marxism, like the, the possibility of the working class can change the world. Um, and to see a little sector of it work operating this way is amazing. Um, the the thing that's also crazy to me, though, is to to watch socialists either say nothing about this, or like in the World Socialist website, actually condemn it as fascistic, as representing um, you know forces that would push for January sixth, as you know being so freedom loving that they just want to have the freedom to infect anyone and let the pandemic rage across the society. Um, you know, they don't really say that these people should be just supporting the liberal government, but effectively, that's what they are left with, you know, and it's, it's insane to me that you actually see a sector, sec, an organized section of the working class coming together to resist the state and resist corporate power, resist Silicon Valley, and socialists are condemning it, condemning, condemning it as fashion. Did you see that? meme going around that was like um you know like the left yelling like seize the means of production and then it's like the truckers do it and it's like no don't do that (laughs) i have up i just want to read this is the communist party of canada put out this tweet okay it says the show in ottawa is really about ultra right demanding profits come before health in all cases we need broad unity to expose hashtag flu trucks clan but only fundamental change to defeat covid raise wages and living standards ban hate and curb corporate power could stop rising fascism get out (laughs) come on at the same time i'm not surprised personally like you know because i i I do you know lips and i read your comment on facebook and the group you know where you said that you were ashamed to be called a marxist for the last two, two years you know, to be have your name next to a lot of people, you know, who call themselves Marxists, and and quite honestly, this is a complete disgrace. And like, you know, in terms of obviously, even Marxism is not one thing. You know, people yeah. have different interpretations. That's the reality. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why we have to have debates about things and conversations, and to see if there is continuity in our principles and values mm-hmm. and analysis of what's happening. And, and the truth is that all these people that call themselves Marxists that have these platforms, organizations that are honestly, you know, Lipson, you've had this experience very cult-like to themselves in, 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 in a way, you know, um, they, they've felt in the analysis, they've felt in understanding what's happening. It's a very superficial uh, analysis of cap- capitalism that I would expect from some fucking liberal, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and they're actually right in, in step with each other, you know, Marxists, mm-hmm. even anarchists, honestly, like anarchists are supposedly about you know that I that I follow that I read. 
they're they're lockstep and they're afraid to pay the price of going against the mainstream narrative you know so as far as they, they get to the you know to the fringe of almost criticizing it but they won't you know because there is a high cost to pay and, and so it, it just infuriates me you know um that we you know the the, the you know, the, the left that is supposed to have the analysis of this moment doesn't have it, right? And, and, and speaking, like there's so many accounts, right? Instagram, I'm that generation that I follow that have completely stayed silence. And when they do speak up, they do what they did in that website that you just mentioned, Jessica. They, they smear, they, they, they just completely, just, you know, uh, fall into that binary. If, if you're not with our exact sake set of principles, that are mostly liberal, then you're a right winger. And, and so that narrative has just completely taken everyone. And there is no scene outside of that narrative. You know, and a lot of it has been built through identity politics, to be honest. You know, and, and so the sad part here is that, you know, in order to interrogate this, you know, for so much that the liberals care about uh, people, oppressed people, it's gonna take the oppressed to deconstruct this bullshit of identity politics that's ultimately affecting against the most oppressed, mm -hmm. you know, because like two years on, you know, like I, I, my mother, right. Who helped me organize uh, some of the delivery of food that we did with the organizations that I was, I helped fund. She tells me that these families are still struggling. They're still missed the, the help that they got before, you know, because the, the, the damage that the pandemic has done it's, it, it goes beyond, you know, like anything that is being talked to in the media. And, and again, Marxists, where the fuck are you? And if anything, you're, you're just feeding that narrative of, you know, that Marxists are fascists. And actually, I believe most Marxists are fascists right now. You know, and, and so it's a disgrace, you know, in in. I don't know. I mean, I don't know how we get out of that, you know, but I, I, I'm definitely, you know, uh, I don't know. I'm just frustrated with the, with this amount of uh, just submission to the official narrative, you know, uh, and, and this is my last point that the most educated, you know, a lot of Marxists, because they studied this shit in academic settings, um, they don't have a working understanding of capitalism. And they, they don't understand also humanity. And actually, I want to say that these truckers, by the fact that they have to earn a living by traveling, are probably more fucking educated and knowledgeable about humanity than any motherfucker. And I'm sorry, you can edit that. But any motherfucker that went to school and studied Marx in a fucking academic setting, they don't have a real understanding of what, of what working class is. You know, the diversity of values, the diversity of opinions, the diversity of, you know, of experiences. You know, and, and so, you know, I, I do feel some pride in these truckers. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm still not very super optimistic, right? But I, I am watching, you know, and, I, I, and, and also it is showing, and I hope that this, just like the George Floyd thing, as, as, as flawed as that was, it shows that because the ability of shit to just catch on fire when people have had enough of shit, you know, in, you know, how that can spread really quickly. You know, like the other night we had a conversation here with my friends and they're, they're kind of in different 
spectrums of the political, you know, they are leftists. They're not quite liberal, but they were giving me uh, these, they were talking about how hopeless it feels, basically, that there is no way we can organize the U.S., right, and, uh, because it's so big and it's too many people. And then I'm like, I forgot, I was reminded later that fucking India got 300 million people to strike, right? And I, and I actually think it might, it, it, might, it might take, it takes the ignorant people, what we're called the ignorant people, the uneducated. It will take those people, not the people that are comfortable just getting by and, and just like following the rules. It's the people that are used to living at the margin of the rules. You know, in, 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 in that I actually have a sense of how fascistic and coercive capitalism is. So f- fuck Angela Davis. Hmm. You know, like I, that's not the fucking Marxism I want on the streets. Mm-hmm. I heard, I forget who it was I heard referred to just all of the liberals and so-called Marxists and anarchists who've been cheering this on the whole time. It's like the laptop left. And I think that's such a perfect term. And these truckers, I mean, they've been taken for granted for so long. I mean, that job is fucking hard. Like driving one of those things for hours and hours on end, um, being paid, you know, not half of what you're worth. And, you know, what are they doing? They're bringing fucking food to all of these people who have been ordering shit off of, Amazon and Instacart, right, for two years while they sit behind a laptop tweeting about, you know, how anybody that <laughs> leaves their house is a fascist or a, or a white supremacist. Um, so I just think it's like, you think about like that comparison you made, Andy, between like the teachers who, yeah, I mean, we have the power to, to shut, shut things down too, but we don't have any backbone. Like teachers have no fucking backbone. And these guys, I mean, they are willing to sacrifice what needs to be sacrificed because they've already been sacrificing. Like they've already been doing this. Um, so I just, yeah. And it's interesting, like, cause I mean, everybody's been talking about the supply chain and how the supply chain is going to, you know, going to, I mean, it's already been affected, but it's going to really amp up. Right. And you're supposed to be stocking up on all your food and, I mean, it's kind of like, well, if, if the supply chain's going down anyway, we might as well hold it hostage, right? So it'll be interesting to see. I mean, yeah, I don't know what like percentage of truckers like in Canada are part of this. I keep seeing articles that are like, it's only, you know, they're not re- representative of Canadian truckers. And, you know, it's definitely not all, not right. everybody. But I mean, it doesn't take that big of a sector to really really impact it you know and if people start <laughs> realizing like i can't get what i want delivered the grocery stores kind of empty it'll be interesting to see like who stands in solidarity still and who doesn't you know and says well <laughs> i was behind it but you know now i want my whatever <laughs> yeah i think it makes a difference who from whose side, if you will, the austerity comes from? Because I think yeah. a lot of this, a lot of these questions of the ongoing discussion about supply chains have, I think there's been questions about if there's sections of the capitalist class organizing some of these supply, yeah. supply as a means of enriching themselves. But when workers actually control it, it's a different ballgame. Like when workers actually 
call a tune, then you can't, the capitalists, I don't think are as nearly as comfortable with that, that situation. Um, and you can see that workers find, I mean, they've already raised about $9 million on GoFundMe. Um, they believe that <laughs> they tell them, how long can you, can you hold out? They say, well, now that we've got $9 million, well, we could probably hold out till 2023, 2024, you know? And, and that's a, that's a big deal to me, like for, for the possibility of them holding out and then another push around, well, you know, who's, who's supply chain, right? Whose supply chain is going to, who's going to decide when the supply chain goes up and down. If workers do it, then I think, I actually think we can celebrate that because when capitalists do it, it always is going to come at our expense. Um, so that, that is huge, I think. Um, and, and Kenny, I, I share your anger about this. Like, um, it is disgraceful, like, to see how the left that I was part of completely miss the idea when workers actually take, try to take things into their own hands. They, that I thought this was like, even in the Russian revolution, there were people who were saying, oh, who were these cooks and bakers who were going to run society? Like that was sort of the intelligentsia and the, and the liberal liberals of the time were like this, these, these dark masses who are going to come up and, and run Russia. Like they don't know how to run Russia. So that was the kind of, they, the people who were, who were making that revolution faced that kind of scorn of being called so ignorant that how are they going to run society? And here we are, Marxists of the day, heaping that same kind of scorn on, on these folks. Um, and it's, it's, I, the fact is, is that these truckers didn't, didn't consult those Marxists and they're not, they don't need to consult them because they're just, they're just taking action based on their own experience. And that for now is enough. I, I don't think it will be enough for like, at some point the governments and the, the powers that be are going to find ways of co-opting co sections and, you know, punishing sections that you do have to figure something out along the way that allows you to survive politically against our opponent. But for now, I think, I, I think they're, they're off to a very good start. I'm not, it's, for me, it's very promising. Um, one line that I hear, well, this was, again, since there's no organization, there was one trucker leader, his name was Pat King, who I thought did a good interview. Um, but he kind of counterposed. He was like, they look when BLM came out and was doing all these destructive things and taking the streets and stuff like that, you know, then they were like supported by the politicians. When we come out, you know, and we're, we're regular working people, you know, trying to, trying to fight back. We're, we're heaped on scorn, horn, scorn is heaped upon us. And I, I feel like that's a, personally, I think that's a mistake to counterpose your, your movement, your fight with, with that fight. Um, and to kind of suggest that we're the working class, but those folks aren't, I mean, they mentioned Antifa and things like that. Personally, I do think there are parts of the, what that uprising that took place that were definitely working class. And that was definitely fueled by a similar kind of anger. Um, and I understand there's people who were saying that there were plants in there and things like that, but I do feel like the, the response to racism that took place and the, what was called the violence of the response um, was 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 as just as sincere, maybe not as organized um, as what this guy's talking about. And I think he's making a mistake to say, "Well, we're the we're working class people fighting back." That was something else. Um, and um, 
you know, that that's a division I feel like is going to be able to, that can be exploited. Um, but um, I did see how there was efforts to reach out to Native American people in through the movement. Um, like this was, there was, there was some mistake that was made by a section of truckers to, to go into some area that was controlled by, uh, or at least it was territory of the Algonquin First Nations. And I guess some of the truckers then pulled back or, you know, expressed um, sorrow for kind of overstepping their bounds and things like that. So I do think there's that kind of sensitivity to trying to like, um, you know, appeal to other oppressed sectors of, of the class and of, of populations. Uh, at least that's what I heard expressed. And so, again, it speaks to the idea that these are a bunch of right wingers. Like that to me just is, is crazy the, uh, the, that, that anybody who's paying attention to this could, could, could say that. Um, okay. Did you guys watch that, the press conference that they did with a couple of the organizers? I thought there was an interesting moment in that because um, one of the, one of the organizers, uh, she, I believe is Matisse, which is like, uh, like basically mixed native and European descent. <clears throat> And the other guy who he was just kind of speaking to like, oh, I've like, I've learned so much from hearing her perspective. And she's clearly sort of um, in, you know, pretty regular contact with First Nations. And, you know, it doesn't seem like it's just sort of posturing like, oh, yeah, we have a couple Native people, you know, mm -hmm. giving us their blessing. It seems like they're really, they're really talking. And I mean, that's, that's really important. I mean, that's... Um, I don't think that you can really have a, a real sort of grassroots, like at least not a broad movement if you're not gonna incorporate indigenous voices. Um, so that was really, that was cool to see. Also a slightly different note, but um, not all the organizers are unvaccinated too, which, you know, is unsurprising to me, but I keep hearing people you know, refer to the convoy as just a bunch of anti-vaxxers, like, oh, they don't want to. And again, like that speaks to the sacrifice because for the organizers and the participants who are vaccinated, they could just as well get their paycheck and scan their QR card, QR code and, you know, carry on. Mm -hmm. um, but they understand it's not, it's not about your fucking vaccine status. It's about something so much more um, frightening. Mm -hmm. To me, uh, this moment is very significant. It I think that the ruling classes of the world are watching uh, because, uh, you know, um, on one hand, uh, from a conversation I had with Brian actually a long time ago, uh, he was explaining to me, you know, the power that truckers gain from atomizing the system of production, right? Like when it was fragmented into parts of the world. And so, Truckers nowadays are very important for this global economy, right? They have to transport the things that are shipped from, you know, China and, to, and then spread it into, you know. And so they hold a lot of power, you know, in, in, in this system. And so for the same reason, they're going to face a lot of, you know, pressure to, to, to do the things that you are describing, Lipson, you know, to split, split them, you know, to pin them against each other, to make sure this doesn't you know, gain any more traction and awareness of your own power, to be honest, because, um, and so I think they will face a lot of challenges, you know, I don't know where it's going, 
I don't know what set of demands they could achieve because they are fighting global forces. My only hope, again, is just like when we've talked about revolution, it needs to spread. You know, like this, these things need to spread in other places and around the world. So I'm glad other people are noticing. In South America, my brother was telling me that some people are like talking about it too. Uh, you know, and, and just uh, especially at this moment of Omicron, you know, where like, I think there is a there is a certain some away, uh, awareness of some people where like is this gonna continue like isn't this the end of the you know of this story? Uh, but obviously they want the ruling class of the world have big stakes in in enacting in, in this society these global governance systems that we we're talking about. So they you know the Canadian uh, truckers are gonna face a lot of pressure. Uh, because uh, they have the attention of people. Obviously, we know that they're going to smear them with anti-vax, right-wing, or uh, unlawful, disrespectful, right? Like, they, they've been focusing on this story of one person dancing on the grave of the uh, unnamed soldier in Canada. You know, they've also, like... so they're a flag on a statue. <laughs> you know, and this is where it's shameful, again, going back to the left, that we know this, is, this happens, right? <laughs> we know this happens. And yet we fall for those tricks, right? And, and we we fall along the line of dehumanizing our opponents, you know. And, and we, uh, you know, the left uh, uses the the language that's dictated dictated by you know the, the mainstream media, and, and that's the funny thing, you know. Like everyone, there is like there is no real um, massive opposition to these narratives of dehumanizing people who on a base, basic level as individuals, they're fighting for their livelihood because they are being sent to quarantine when they come back. How do you think they're gonna make money, right? And, I, I, and at the same time, I also don't know, because I know my cousins during winter, uh, they, get, uh, they get to collect money because there is no work, but they work in a different industry. So there is a, a more of a social safety net in, in Canada. You know, everyone got $2,000. But so it, it, in a way, it tells me that it, this is not just about a livelihood. This is about like just the principles and just taking shit over and over and just, you know, uh, some lies, you know, being exposed, you know, people have enough of those lies. And, and so so it, it's about many things and it, it's, it's a massive moment, at least for this fight. You know, um, and and I would, you know, the hopefully me is is that you know, truckers in other sectors of the society join and realize their real power. You know that the real power of the ruling class is is just based on trust. <laughs> you know that not, and obviously there are systems of coercion and violence, but if you start trusting them, if you start believing their lies, you know, and, and even just like their fucking money. You know, like which is just a symbol of our labor. You know, like we, we take over. You know, our real the real economy, not the stock market, not some fucking you know digital currency or NFT. You know, the real producers of society that sustain life. You know, um, that's my hope that you know there is more sectors of society that can join and see through the lies. And and you know that brings me to what you were saying, Jessica. That I'm glad people are talking. You know, like people that do, there will be people that hold some more antiquated, you know, ideas or ideas that oppose each other. And, but people have to talk and humanize each other. 
in order to deal with those contradictions and oppositions uh, that divide us, you know, and see the commonality in our struggle and why we are fighting this. And I hope fucking Marxists wake up, you know, and realize that this is a working class moment, you know, and and that instead of just criticizing and throwing shit and speaking the imperial language to join in, you know, and and, and ask what can we do, you know, and and join and do actions and and be like inspired by that. (laughs) I loved like that little clip of like seeing them play hockey and, you know, like these guys are posted up. So they're, they're going to be sitting around a fire gathering over food. I mean, there's going to be so much conversation to be had, just constant, you know, humanizing of their fellow, uh, fellow workers and fellow human beings. And one thing that I do hope becomes part of the discussion um, is obviously there's the digital surveillance that's part of what's they're, they're talking about the QR codes um, and the biomedical, you know, freedom and, and the, and the, and the biosecurity system that is actually, they're, they're, they're really talking about that. But <clears throat> one thing I haven't heard, maybe it's been in the discussion is AI and the replacement of the transportation sector by, by data, big data collection and, and by AI systems that are being created. Um, because <clears throat> if anything was going to prove to the capitalists that they have to get humans out of the equation, this moment is it. Um, and I, I, I imagine they, they understand that, but I think that the, the, those things being connected in as well, so that Silicon Valley is drawn directly into this um, as another opponent that has to be challenged and taken on. Um, because that's that at least that's what it would mean for me for the at least the movement to politically spread um, is for it to it to begin gather around that kind of understanding um, in terms of this is what I think all workers have to figure it have to bear in mind about how we are all being replaced and we're training our replacements with you know every time every time I autocorrect on Google that's your AI right there like it's getting better and better it's like doing a much better job of like predicting the kinds of things I might say. I mean, I'm sorry. That's how I look at it. And yeah, we're, we're training it. Yeah. And, we participate in and I don't like, I think to myself, well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to price return and do it, but I still have to type letters in, Yeah, you know, and, and I have a feeling that it's learning. Okay. You just matched the same letters that I was going to tell you, you know? So it's, it's like over and over again, we're, we are seeing how, the digital world is being turned into something that could be replace replace us in so many ways, and that that I believe is going to be need to be become a growing conception of this movement because it goes well beyond uh, medical freedom. You know those like prove you're not a robot things. Every time I have to do one, I'm like, oh, I'm training the robots yeah. to eventually. <laughs> um, it is really stupid seeing some people like cheer over musk like seeing the convoy or whatever it's like yeah homeboy's actually like the one who's going to be making the trucks that you know they want to replace these guys but i mean it's definitely the 11th hour but i don't that technology doesn't seem to me to be ready not at scale maybe i mean they're always ahead of where they you know reveal that they are but 
I don't know. What do you guys think Trudeau, Trudeau is going to do if he ever comes out of hiding? <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, like they've, they've pretty much said, well, we're ready to talk to him, you know? Yeah. Um, I can't see him. Well, I don't know. I honestly don't know what they're going to do. I mean, I, they're certainly trying to think of what to do as he, um, you know, like you said, he went into hiding and he said, oh, I got, I was exposed to somebody with COVID and I got to like quarantine. And um, apparently his vaccine's not working so well. Um, but the, I'm not sure. I, I don't, I don't know how the political, what they're going to do with this thing. Cause it's not moving. And I mean, I, I think the, the possibility of if there could be that convoy to Washington, that would start that, that would really start to put, uh, like flesh this thing out a little bit more, but I don't know. And just, I guess for people maybe who haven't heard, um, I mean, he made a statement, right? Like, uh, about this fringe, um, group of people, uh, and what else did he say? Uh, the, the fringe whole, minority with unacceptable views, I think. Yes. Yeah. Then, you know, he went on to use nationalism to say who's Canadian, who's not typical, you know? Um, and so um, it's very interesting, you know, I hadn't put in those two together, the fact that he has quote unquote COVID now, right at this moment, uh, because, uh, you know, Canada has by and large stayed out of the news in terms of COVID related uh, issues, you know, and uh, at least internationally, you know, and, and they have a lot of attention right now. Um, I think uh, because of, again, the truckers pushed the hand of you know of the ruling class, and so it's a chess game, right? At this point, and 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 so <clears throat> where um, I mean, I do think it's important to just highlight uh, something that you we've talked about it in the show is just the the fact that in order to push back to wield some power as a collective class, we do need to get together. We need to occupy space, physical space. It's not going to happen online. It's not going to happen through a post. You know, obviously you can use any tools of communication for various reasons. And I'm sure they've, I'm sure they've employed this, you know, to organize this. Um, but um, again, it's just, I'm just, it's just magical that again, you it's reasserting that point. We have to take over spaces, just like you said, lips and teachers have to take over schools, you know, uh, health workers have to take over their hospitals you know, and, and run things without the dictatorship of their bosses, you know, and, and learn democracy in that way. Um, and so, yeah, I, I myself, yeah, like you, I don't know what Trudeau is going to do. Uh, I think he's going to be under a lot of pressure, um, not just domestically, but internationally, you know, because they have to clamp down on this uh, because they want to make an example out of this. Right, just like they did out of Australia, you know, when Australians didn't want to get vaccinated and they brought the goddamn army out, you know, and um, so it, it, that's again, that's anytime you want to you you challenge power, you will face the 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 weight of the system, you know, on you. You know, I'm sure there will be stories about the individual leaders, you know, who have some, you know, you know some shit that can come back and hunt them, you know, and, and these are things that they had to think about. And, but again, like one thing is to resist. Another thing is to fight back and push back. And, you know, th that takes a long time, you know, that's not just about one policy, 
you know, that's that's about wielding collective power, you know, and like imposing our will, you know, as, as, as a class. And so, you know, just like the people that listen to us, you know, that some of us, some people are focusing to uh, fight, you know, the legal challenge legally, you know, these mandates, you know, understanding the limitations of that, you know, that um, that in some ways that's just reformist, that's never going for power, that's just resisting. And so that's the difference, at least for me as a socialist, uh, between being a reformist and a revolutionary. Revolution is about taking power, imposing power, you know, our collective democratic power uh, over the forces that we're fighting every day. You know, this is not, this is, this, the vaccine situation is just uh, the latest war, uh, the latest front on the war, on the working class. We've been fighting a war for, you know, at this point, at this in modern capitalism, hundreds of years, you know, it was feudalism before this. And, you know, so, we uh, again, we have to understand our power. I think that's where our, our lesson uh, have to understand power, how to do it democratically, and how to wield power democratically in order to really create a society that works for all of us, you know. And um, and so that's again always my hope when the movements like this happen that they grow and that there are lessons learned, you know, even in defeat, because uh, again, the weight of the, the system comes on people that defy the system. And so, you know, um, you know, we can never go naively in, 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 into a battle with, you know, this class. And, and, I, and I think that's where Marxists are supposed to be, some sort of consciousness on that point, you know, not to dictate, but to like, maybe like provide some analysis of what's happening, you know, what has happened. And that's where Marxism has, goes, I don't, I don't, I don't know who the hell I can listen to at this point. <laughs> you know, like I don't. And, and at the same time, it's like also empowered me to have my own ideas. Yeah. You know, like, and, and that's why I also, you know, advocate for this knowledge to be in the hands of everyday people. So you have your own ideas, and you become part of a democratic process. You know, so you're not just following anybody. You know, whether it be some self-proclaimed socialist, you know, leader. You know, like you should always have that anarchist spirit, in, at least in my point of view. Like, you know, like I'm not going to let someone rule over me, you know, over me and my people and impose, you know, things, especially all this shit that's, is, is dictations, right? All these policies over COVID, none of this has been consulted. It was first imposed. And then like, you know, at this point, I wouldn't even trust a, 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 like a, a vote on that because obviously... You know that this is rigged, but people have been already indoctrinated, and they don't even know what the hell they're, you know, to think anymore. And but it's still there is hope right in this because there is people who challenge and haven't bought fully into the bullshit. Yeah, just one thing that I would say, Jessica, if I was to make it, imagine how they might do a counterattack, the thing that comes to mind is either a new round of Omicron spread in Ottawa being talked about, or I know there's talk about a new variant of Omicron. Like that would be the way I think you might, you might try to make, try to weaken the support is talk about some sort of health um, thing that's getting created as a result of these events and a result of this congregation. Um, so that's, that's something that maybe comes to mind is an attempt to, um, 
use the fear of the virus spreading and that this event is a super spreader event um, and to use that to etch away the support. That might come. That's one thing I, I'm at. I wonder if that's, you know, in the consideration. I did see that they're, I mean, they're already like criminalizing it. So January 28th, which was literally like, was that like the day they arrived around there? Um, Okay, citing its powers under the COVID state of emergency. Of course, everything has been passed under this fucking state of emergency. Beginning March 2020, the government of Nova Scotia, Canada, has declared it illegal to finance, organize, aid, or participate in a truck convoy. Um, And also to line the roadside in support of a truck convoy, violators could face um, up to $10,000 fines. So I'm sure there's a lot of this type of bullshit that's going to be going through. But the reality is if there's a critical mass, you know, like we saw the police in that clip, like they can't do anything. Yeah. And, and other people had, other truckers have been saying that there are police showing up with food to yeah. the truckers. Yeah. So if it does depend on that kind of support still staying there, like, you, they can't just decree things if people are not in support of those decrees. Um, and that is a problem if when you start laying the decrees out more and more and people don't follow them, is it really weakens your ability to make future decrees. Um, but uh, that I, I, I imagine you'd, you'd go at this with, a, um, with talking about how people are getting sick. Yeah. I mean, the racist like smears are are powerful too, just because of the current culture of the laptop left. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, and I, I mean, I've only seen one actual like picture or footage of somebody with like a Confederate flag, right? And he was just like ushered out, and they were like, "Go home." Like, I mean, I presume yeah. that was just a fed, but whatever but i mean i'm sure they could amp up that type of you know agent provocateur stuff and there could be violence like um there's always that potential but i mean they're already throwing like every smear in the book at them and it's not working yeah yeah i mean it's like it's such a delicate thing because like you know nicaragua taught me a lot of things about rising up and the disinformation that happens you know, on both sides and exaggeration that happens on both sides. And so my point is that, you know, from Nicaragua, I also learned that, you know, like the powerful have to walk a fine line of use wielding their, the, the courage, the physical, uh, you know, monopoly on violence. Because uh, what happened in Nicaragua was that some elders were protesting, right? Peacefully. And then the agents of the state came in whacked them on the head. And then that just lit a fire in the whole society of Nicaragua. You know, so, you know, and, and that would be a strategic advantage, I would say, if used well by the truckers, that they have to push, you know, and like, that's what also Jake has talked about, that we, these are things that you would have to, you know, push to push them to the brink, you know, where they, they are, uh, they overstep, you know, their strategy. Uh, because at that point, you know, if they're peacefully protesting and, 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 and demanding, then other truckers might join because, you know, they, they start seeing this. Other parts of society will join. 
you know, and because like you said, Libson, like, like I think Jake also um, made that quote about um, when propaganda fails, uh, then like the naked uh, fist of the state is uh, revealed. And so if people are non-compliant, you know, the state, the only thing the state is going to have to do is to like force people to break it up, you know? And, and so, you know, those are things you have to wait as a movement, like how far do you push them, you know, the state in order to assert your power, you know, because like the other thing is I want to dissuade anyone listening who maybe finds some meaning in what I'm saying is that you will not change society through rule and order bullshit. You don't. You know, that you're playing in their games, in their parameters, you're limited, you're bounded. And so you will have to defy their laws. You know, this has happened in every movement that has made any significant, uh, you know, change. And, and so, you know, that that's just part of the equation. You, you do, you know, and you have to be strategic about it. Well, that's mostly it for me. Um, I'm, I didn't really think I could get a... Uh, I'm surprised at how much it has given me hope about the possibility of uh, resistance. Um, and it, it, it's in a fairly short period of time. Yeah. I mean, it just shows, right? Like things can turn really fast Yeah, um, for the negative, but also for the positive and it's more of us than we think. Yeah. Don't discount the brutes, you know, the truckers in this case. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm not sure if the intellectuals are gonna, you know, no. their shit. <laughs> they're, just gonna, they're just gonna condemn. Yeah, gotta <laughs> get in line. That's what an intellectual would tell you. Get in line. Be patient. Yes. Oh, it's just, it's so embarrassing. <sighs> um. All right. So that does it for this week's episode. What's Left is a weekly political podcast channel challenging the mainstream left. We post information about our topics and our guests on the episode notes, wherever you found this episode, or on our blog, what-s-left.webnode.com. You can find past episodes to our podcast and channel there. Um, I remind people, if you fancy anything you have heard here, please uh, subscribe, rate, review, turn on your notifications to any of our nine platforms, Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, BitChute, Odyssey, YouTube, Telegram, or Rumble. Um, And if you'd like to give us feedback about something you've heard or suggest something for us to cover, contact us through our blog. Um, Well, Jessica and Kenny, thank you again. And uh, Eduardo's still in Mexico. I thought he'd be back, but uh, so I think it's going to be us coming back again next week. And maybe if Eduardo joins us, it'll be four of us. And Eduardo, why would you come back to this hill? (laughs) We do need you, you, but... You know, I, I heard there's some story out of Mexico, though, that's not good. Like they were. I don't know. I, I can't remember what it is. There's something going on in Mexico right now that is not. I have heard that their some of their policies are toughening yeah. up a little bit. Yeah, I think I heard something like that. I just hopefully remember. he's able to get back if he wants to get back. Yeah, I know. <laughs> anyway, um, again, thank you both. And uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks.